Jesus Christ was confessed by the Apostle Peter as the Son of the living God, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, 16th verse of the I mean, the 13th verse of the 16th chapter of Matthew, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gate of hell, and that is the word that is translated in American Standard and others as Hades, and Hades is from a word in the original language which is just not sane. Hades is ah on the front of a word in Greek is means not, like anonymous. Not anima is name, but on animas is not named. Well, the Hadean world has, is not seen. And we think of hell being hellfire and brimstone, and the hot place. But this word doesn't mean that it means the unseen world shall not prevail against it. Now, the unseen world could include the hot place and Gehenna and the grave and a lot of things that we don't know about. So don't exclude hell <clears throat> from this word because it includes it. But this is the theme of the lesson this evening that I want to I want to impress upon you that he said upon this rock and that rock we, I think we understand, and if you don't understand, let me stress to you that the theme of the Bible is what he confessed. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is saying, upon this rock, this foundation, I'll build my ecclesia, my called out people, my saved people people that believe that I am the Son of the living God, I'll build my church now. Then he's saying, and the gates of the unseen world, the gates of the unseen world shall not prevail against it. Now, the gates means 
the unseen world that is closed in, that has captured humanity. And they will not prevent him from building his church and really saving people. And this is, is a theme that's developed in the New Testament as well as in the, in the Old Testament, that he comes to deliver us. Now, in the 19th verse, he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, whether you realize that or not, that kingdom of heaven is the same thing, is used synonymously with the 18th verse, I will build my church. The church and the kingdom are used 50 times in the book of Matthew. Speaking of the kingdom is speaking of the church. Now he's saying he will build it and he'll give the entrance, the power to enter it to Peter. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, it's real interesting to study that in the time of the verbs in the original language, which they don't translate into English. But it is passive future and passive what he's done. Whatsoever, in this says, whatsoever thou shalt bind. Well, this is whatsoever, that's future. Whatsoever thou, thou shalt bind in future shall be bound in heaven. That is, will already have been bound. That's passive future. It will have already been bound. Whatever you do, it's already set in heaven. It was planned. And then he said, whatsoever you loose, that is future tense, but the, the shall be loosed in heaven, that is the passive, and it's future passive, which means it's future, but it was happened before now. And it's already sewed up. Now, that just means the church was in the plan of God before the earth began. And that's a theme that is, is repeated over and over. You and I are part of God's plan that he planned before we were ever born and before the earth ever existed. And you talk about being important. We're important. We're special. Now, what I want to stress with you is this this evening in this theme is that we have been delivered from the unseen world. Sometime I'm just surprised at the and, and I shouldn't be because you know when I started preaching in nineteen and fifty, I moved to a little place uh, in Woodson, Texas, which was not seventy miles from Abilene. And I've been preaching there before that, and I just moved out there. And it was a little place that people retired, and we had a funeral two or three a week, retired people. 
And you talk about a young preacher that just started out and you have to preach that many funerals a week. Uh, you do some sweating and you do some fearful moments of handling that and talking to people and learning. And, and even though I'd had training on how to handle those things, it was just like nothing compared to getting out in the field and doing it. And I say that to say this, that when I work with people, like even with Sister Lamb's son today, when we were making plans for her funeral for Tuesday, when he looked at the casket that she had, that she had planned, he wouldn't go very close to it. He just said, oh, this is close as I think I want to ever get to this. Well, that's good. That, that beats my up. That's okay. Now, I can identify with him, having felt that way a lot of times, when I was starting out as a preacher and having to deal with people. But why is it that it doesn't affect you that way now? I think one of the reasons is that I know that God has taken care of the unseen world and that there's no attachment as far as pent-up emotions on my part when I deal with people who are dying and who have died and their spirits gone to God, but not everybody. Everybody can't look at it that way. They look at it as well, I'll tell you, there's a still a dark place. There's an unseen place. There's Our loved ones are gone, and, and I can't handle this. Well, Jesus came that he might open up and show us that the gates of the unseen world have not kept him from building a relationship with his people who were in captivity. And I think once we get that into our mind, it'll help us to deal with death and separation as, as we lose our loved ones and as we fight this battle. It'll help us to talk to people about their salvation. A person thinks about uh, being a member of the church, they may not think about that when you're a member of the church, you're, you're insulated against hell. You're insulated against those gates that's going to hold you into captivity forever. And where you're going to maybe spend the rest of your time with the devil and his angels. Not if you remember the body of Christ. He promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against his building, his church. Now, I want you to turn with me to some passages that will sort of fortify this and will establish it. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews, the second chapter first. To Hebrews, the second chapter. And uh, this is, is, it gives the supremacy of Christ, Hebrews does. And in the second chapter, after establishing that he was greater than the angels and uh, that he was... Uh, the way God spoke to people today, that's the first chapter. He speaks to us today through Christ. And he upholds everything through his power. He's in control. Now I'll tell you, he's done exactly what he said he'd do. He went into the grave and he took over. And he's in control. 
But the second chapter, he sort of explains it. Look at the second chapter in verse 9. We see Jesus, Hebrews, second chapter, verse 9, who was made a little lower than the angels. For what? For the suffering of death. He told Peter, he said, you're blessed because you, God has given this to you. You made this confession. And he said, I'm going to go into Jerusalem. We didn't read that part. But he said, I'm going into Jerusalem and I'm going to be delivered up. I'm going to be uh, crucified and I'm going to be buried and I'm going to be raised. And he said, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. The unseen world was even working through Peter to try to get him not to do that. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, here it explains it. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for what for? For the suffering of death. Why? That he might release us from the gates of the unseen world, crowned with glory and honor, and that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons into glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect or complete through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified, that's us, are all of one. For which cause he's not ashamed to call us brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, and in the midst of the church, there's the church, I will sing praises unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children that God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, now I want you to look at that, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That's what the gates of the unseen world cannot keep him from building his church and establishing us free from the captivity of the unseen world, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now that's where it happened, and it happened in his death. Now that's the reason we were baptized into his death. We get blood all over us when we're baptized with death, and we have that blood stain on us, and that's the reason why that he notices us, and he cleanses us, and we're part of his, we're chosen. That's the reason we go down into the watery grave, to get into the blood of Christ and be washed in his blood and be in touch with his blood, and we're delivered from hellfire and brimstone and the unseen world. And deliver them through fear of death for all their lifetime subject to bondage. He delivered us. Why, in Colossians 1 and 13, he said, Whom? He said, He, you've been translated out of the kingdom into the kingdom of God, dear son. He delivered you from darkness and translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. What? Into, in, into the church. For verily he took not on himself the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be likened his brethren, that he might be the merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconcil reconciliation for the sins of the people. And he does that all the time. That's the reason why uh, faith in Christ and walking in Christ and, and as I said this morning, obedience of the faith in Christ insulates us against going to hell. 
But if you don't have faith and you're trying to do it on your own and through your own works, you haven't understood that it was through his blood that we're delivered. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Now, I want to, you to turn to Ephesians, book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and, and, and see how Paul treats this again in his, in, in his letter. And he's emphasizing the church. In, the first, in, in fact, it's, it's, it's the same thing that we've just gone over where he gave himself in death and suffering. But he starts out and says uh, that you, with all lowliness of mind in the second verse, he said, and meekness with long-suffering for bearing one another in love endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And he says, there's one body. Well, the one body is the church. We know that. He's already said that in chapter 1. And he, there's one spirit, even as you call one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. And so the gates of hell should, could not keep him from building this church. And he told Peter that. And he built it. And now Paul is, is preaching later, and he's saying, there is just one. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of God. Wherefore he saith, now he's quoting now from a song. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. What do you mean? When was that? Well, that's when he ascended on high. And in chapter 1 of Acts, and, and they saw him sending, and, and the angel said, Why do you stand here gazing? Is that same Jesus whom you see going in heaven is going to come in like manner. And then on the day of Pentecost, ten days later, he, he, he poured out all of that, and that's when the church was established. And what did he do? Look at this eighth verse. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. What did he do? He'd just been in the day. He'd just been in the grave. What did Hebrews 2 say? said he abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. He says that in, in 2 Timothy, the first chapter and the 10th verse, but he said the same thing in the second chapter of Hebrews, that that's when it happened. He abolished uh, the power of Satan, and he gave gifts unto men. Now he that de ascended was... Uh, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? So when he told Peter, he said, Peter, who do people say that I am? Oh, you're Jeremiah, John the Baptist, Elijah. Uh, who do you say I am? You're the Son of God, the living God. He said, that's right. And it's upon this that I'm going to build my church, and the gates of the unseen world will not prevail against it. And he died, and he went into the grave, and he ascended. And what he did, he... He that descended, look at verse 10 in chapter 4 of Ephesians. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above heavens that he might fill all things. And what did he do? Well, he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers and perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the church of Christ, the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the a statue of the fullness of Christ. 
Now, if we can focus and keep that understanding that Christ is in us, that he is helping us, and that we are insulated against hell, if we just understand he's in control and he's the Savior, he's the helper, we walk by faith. We understand that he knows all of our needs and he'll help us. And that's the reason the 14th verse says, you don't need to be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftsmen, whereby they lie and wait to deceive you. But you just speak the truth in love and may grow up into all things, uh, which is the head, even Christ. Now, I want you to turn to Second, Tim, uh, Second Timothy because I want you to, you to get this uh, into your mind, how that he repeats this thing that's being uh, taught here. Uh, that I'm developing, and in the second, in the first chapter, in the tenth verse, I, I want to show you. He, he uh, the, let's start with the eighth verse. Uh, well, let's start with the seventh. For the seventh verse of the first chapter of Second Timothy, he says, "For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." healthy mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the of testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to the works, our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given in Christ Jesus before the world began. So before the world began, he knew that he was going to build his church, and he knew that he was going to deliver uh, the people who believed in him from the clutches of Satan, and that we wouldn't have to worry. But is now, look at that 10th verse, but is now made known by the appearing of, sa of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. When did he abolish death? And hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He abolished it according to Hebrews 2 that we just read. We see Jesus who was made little lower than angels crowned with glory and honor for he tasted death for every man. He tasted death for every man. But he said, I'm going to my grave. I'm, I'm going to be killed and, and I'm going to build my church and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom, Peter. He said, no, that's not going to happen. He said, yeah. And the gates of hell will not keep me from it. I'm going to prevail against it. In fact, they're abolished. He abolished death. Look at that. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing uh, that uh, we're so fearful of death. And yet, when we're Christians, we shouldn't be. We should be preparing uh, for death because it's going to happen to all of us. It's not if it happens to you, it's going to be when it's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you. And if you haven't participated in the death of Christ, you haven't been insulated against hell. He went to the grave in order to build his church, in order to deliver us from the gates of hell. In the unseen world. Now, at least 60 years has passed, and uh, 
the church has spread throughout the New Testament, and uh, many people have died because that they accepted Christ and accepted life after death. A lot of them would just walk up and say, well, just take my life. That'll just make me go to heaven sooner. That's the reason why Stephen could just face death, because he knew. And, 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 and Jesus was able to stand at the right hand of God and was able to help Luke to write it so that we could have the picture of it when a saint was dying, that Jesus has really overcome death, and that death was abolished to old, to old uh, Stephen. He just cried and said, Lord, receive my spirit, and don't, 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 don't lay this sin to their church. They don't know what they're doing. Same thing he said when they crucified him. But the plan has been given to man, and why man will wonder without the Savior and without salvation, I don't know. It's because we haven't shared the good news that we're all delivered. Now, I want you to look at that revelation here after... Uh, this was 95 at least A.D. Now, if it was 33 A.D. when the church was established, you just subtract that from 95 A.D. and you've got about, well, it's been 60 or 70, 70 years now. That's passed. And uh, a lot of things have happened. But Jesus came back. You know what he preached in his first chapter? He preached just what I've gone over. Just what I've gone over. Look at the fifth verse of the first chapter of Revelation. This is a message from Jesus who said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. After 70 years, he comes back and he says, this is from Jesus who is the faithful and the first begotten of the dead. He tasted death for every man. He's the first one that was ever born from the dead. And he's the prince of the kings of the earth and, and unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, his blood was shed in his death. His death is what we're baptized into and what we're uh, raised in and what we walk in. We walk in the light as he's in the light. And when you're covered with the blood of Christ, you're covered from sin and stain and the gates of the, of the world, the unseen world, that would close you in. Look at number six. He said, He's made us to be kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And he comes with the clouds, uh, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced in the kindreds of the earth, and shall well because of him. Even so. Now, here's what he says. I am Alpha. I'm Omega. I'm the start and I'm the finish. I'm the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom and in patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle of the Patmos, uh, called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of you. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That means he is inspired. 
on the Lord's day is a is a is a new word. It comes into existence during that time, and we know though it referred to the first day of the week. But yet it refers to the fact that he was inspired. And he heard behind him a voice of, of, of a trumpet. And look, look what he said. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, but without see us right, and you send to the churches. Now, look at the, at the 17th verse. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his hand, right hand, upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. Are you afraid to die? Does death scare you? You can go to hell for lying, same as stealing. So just say, Yes, it does. It does all of us. But what will take a lot of the fear out? Knowing that you can be with Jesus if you're a believer. And you're a Christian. If a person ever says he's not afraid to die, and not afraid, you just know that he's in denial. Even Jesus, when he faced death, said, "So, Father, I, I don't want to do this. If he can possibly do it any other way, take this away from me. He couldn't. He had to taste it because he tasted it for every one of us. And he made it possible for us to be in him. And when we're in him, we're safe. I'm the first and the last. I am the he that liveth. Now I want you to look at that. I'm he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Now I want you to just stop and ask. I want to ask how rich your faith is. Do you have Jesus living in your heart right now? Is he living in your heart? How strong is your faith? He's alive. He said he lived in those. And he's alive now and he lives. Paul said, I, it is no longer I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now stop just a minute. Is your faith strong enough to know that you know Jesus? And you have a relationship with him. We'd have more pews filled. We'd have more devoted lives. We'd have no more prayers prayed. We'd have more zealous works, not that the works would save a person, if we had more relationships that claim Christ. Now, if we don't claim him, we don't claim our relationship with him, brethren, we're weak in the faith. And how the keys of, look at that, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Against you. Why? Because he has the keys to it. He has the keys. He unlocks it. We read in Ephesians 4 where he, he led captivity captive. What did he do when he went into the... He led captivity captive. All those people from Adam on down that had, had been enclosed in the unseen world, he delivered. They'd have not been saved had he not died. 
Not a person that kept the old law or even tried to be obedient to God before the law was given would have ever been saved had it not been for Christ to come and deliver us and deliver them. And the Hebrew says that he died and that his blood was shed. It wasn't blood of bulls and goats that saved people, but it was his own blood that saves us. And that it reverted back and saved those people even in those times because they had faith. He has the keys of hell and of death. I want you to turn over to the last chapter. Uh, well, let's see, 21st chapter. Let's just turn to the last chapter there, the 22nd chapter. He said unto me, These things are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come uh, quickly. Blessed be he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Now look at the eighth verse. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard, had heard and seen, I fell down to worship for the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then he saith unto me, Don't you do it. Don't you do it. For I am of thy fellow servant and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. If he was, he is one who had died and gone to heaven. He said, just worship God. He was a brother who had died, and he, he was not enclosed in the gates of the unseen world. He was delivered, and he said, don't worship me, worship God. And he saith unto him, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is present now. This is happening. He that is just, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. There's not going to be any other way except Christ in his way. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, he can be holy. It's the way God has sent it and the way that we've pointed out here that you can be a member of the church. He's not going to change things. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according to his work. I am the Alpha, Alpha and Omega. This is where we start out in the first chapter. He said, don't fear. I'm alive forevermore. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. I'm the first and I'm the last. 
And he said, Blessed are those who keep his commandments, or do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. And then he told, chose outside of all the people who don't believe him. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. The lesson is yours, but the, the theme is stressing that, brethren, we have deliverance from the unseen world, and Jesus has made it possible. And it's our faith that makes it possible as we walk and work together. If you're here this evening and you haven't confessed Christ and been baptized into him, oh, now's the time to, to do that. And if you lived unfaithful, you need to rededicate yourself to Jesus. He's the only way out. You refuse him, there's no other way. You just let people be unjust, they're just going to be unjust. Righteous, they can be righteous, it's only this way that he's delivered. As we stand together, we cannot come.